About those things I said, I mean, the way I acted back there. I'm sorry. Let me tell you something. Love means never having to say you're sorry. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Rest in peace to the legendary Ryan O'Neill. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 436, Submission 2298. The Aquaman 2006 pilot. The Aquaman 2006 pilot was an unsold pilot for the WB that was unaired but was released on iTunes on July 25th of 2006. Well, guys, out of all the characters in the DC Universe, you have Superman, you have Batman, you have Wonder Woman, you have The Flash, and you have Aquaman. Yeah, when the movie came out, I thought, and here I was thinking Superman was difficult to adapt. How are you going to adapt Aquaman? But yet, Jason Momoa made it work. Yes. And considering in the conscienceless of most people, Aquaman is basically known for two things. People thought he was incredibly lame. And also that one um, part in that one season of Entourage where James Cameron made that Aquaman movie with Vinny Chase. Remember that? Chico, James Cameron's Aquaman. I do. <laughs> now, let's be honest. In the mid-2000s, that would have been an awesome blockbuster in real life. Anything with Vincent Chase would be awesome in real life. Yeah, because remember, Chico, he is Queens Boulevard. But, back in 2006, the WB thought, well, you know, everyone kind of knows who Aquaman is from Entourage. So it's like, why don't we just like adapt this character for television? And they would be able to do it because they are building off of the success of Smallville at the time. Yeah, and Smallville was like a big success for the WB at this point. In fact, they got the uh, creators of Smallville to work on this pilot. So this was supposed to be like a spinoff. I guess, or maybe set in the same universe or kind of sort of in a similar vein to Smallville. So we already know about the story of Smallville. and That's supposed to be Superman before Superman was Superman. What is the story behind Aquaman? Is this Aquaman before Aquaman was Aquaman or Aquaman as Aquaman? Damned if I know. I paid $3 for this on Google Play. 
That's right, folks. I paid some of my hard-earned money, and I actually watched the whole damn thing, and I recapped the whole damn thing because, damn it, I'm a podcast journalist, and I want you to experience what I had to go through to pay that $3. And also, Greg hates money. That's right. I hate money. Isn't that true, Mike? Kiko took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say it right as he said I didn't want to talk over him, but we all know Greg despises money. That's right. But we have to talk about who they got for this pilot in 2006. And Chico, they couldn't get Jason Momoa for this pilot back in 2006. But let me tell you who they got to play Arthur Curry. I got to say. Fantastic. This was before Alan Richardson played Aquaman, by the way, in the uh, Arrowverse. Yeah. Do you want to say it, Chico? Justin Motherfather Hartley. Yeah. From This Is Us, among other things. But, oh, playing his adopted father, Tom Curry, in this pilot. I think this is the first time ever we're going to reference La Bamba on this podcast, Chico. And we're not talking about the band member from uh, Conan O'Brien's band. <laughs> oh, I wish we were talking about La Bamba. From- oh, that would be great if we were, but... Sadly, wouldn't we're not. This, wouldn't that be hilarious if Obama Conan's dad was Aquaman's dad? Hilarity would definitely ensue. But of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, Lou Diamond Phillips. And let me just say, this is not going to be the last time we're going to be talking about him, because we're going to be talking about him in the epic CBS flop, Wolf Lake. Do you remember that, Chico? Do you Vaguely. Remember- I just remember it premiered after 9-11, and that was done. America's like, we've suffered enough. We don't want to watch this. Oh, God. Hasn't Sean McDermott done enough with that? After all that came out regarding Sean McDermott this week, we're putting the kibosh on comparing anything to that. Oh, wait a minute. I know what you were going... Oh, that's right. We were talking about... Sean McDermott here. What do you compare 9-11 to? Content warning for the next 30 seconds. He basically wanted the Bills to play like the terrorists on 9-11. To quote a great American, Jaguar Gator 9, I'm sorry, what? I don't even get what the heck that means. Greg has the right reaction. His mouth is agape, and... He really cannot say a word about it. That's really the best way of summarizing it. Let me just say, I can't even make a joke about this. I can't. You're not really supposed to joke about 9-11. I know. And now you know why we absolutely hate the Buffalo Bills around here. Josh Allen, those comments from uh, uh, Coach McDermott, we need to say anything else. Talk about somebody that makes Robert Sala look like a genius. <laughs> but enough about David Tepper. Oh! 
hey, it could be worse. You could have Woody Johnson. Well, like Jimmy Haslam was just coming off smelling like a bunch of roses right now. And Jimmy Haslam got sued by Warren Buffett this week. So he has actually probably had the best week out of uh, McDermott and uh, and Woody Johnson and uh, and Tepper and Sala. He's had the best week of all of them. He only got sued for like $3 billion by Warren Buffett. Let's just move on. Playing Lieutenant Rachel Torres is Denise Quinones. Now, Chico, do you have any information about her? She is Miss Universe 2001, Ooh, representing yes. La Isla en, del Encanto, Puerto Rico. Oh, representing Puerto Rico. Ever since then, she was in Smallville, Freddy, and future entry, Love Monkey. Love, love Monkey? monkey. Ah! What is Love Monkey? It's a TV show about a manager of a musician played by Teddy Geiger. You don't remember Love Monkey? No. I remember well, Love Monkey. So do I. When did this air? 2006. Oh, that explains it. Tom Cavanaugh was in it. This was his big follow-up to Ed? This was his big follow-up to Ed. Wow. That's a shame. Looks like eight glorious episodes. Okay, playing Agent Brigman, a U.S. agent who has been investigating the apparent resurfacing of people around Mercy Reef who are lost in the Bermuda Triangle, is Rick Peters. Best known for his role as Bobby Manning on Sue Thomas, FBI, and Elliot Larson in Season 4 of Dexter. Of Sue Thomas FBI. That takes me back to the 2000s watching Pacts. Now that was a show that had network potential. It's one of Pax's legacy shows. Did Pax even have legacy shows? Let's be quite honest. Well, I think you could say Sue Thomas FBI and maybe the couple of seasons of Supermarket Sweep they did and uh... Doc. With Billy Ray. Okay, Doc is a good answer too, yeah. But I think the list ends right there. It sure as hell wasn't the Ponderosa. Remember the Ponderosa, the prequel to Bonanza? You don't shoot westerns in New Zealand. That's just wrong. But okay, playing McCaffrey. This is maybe the best name on this pilot. The one. The only Ving Reigns. And you know he, what that means. He has the meats. <laughs> yeah. We have the meats. What else does that mean? Because I know you weren't going for the Arby's commercial aspect. That silence tells me maybe you were going for the Arby's commercial aspect. Yeah. Oh, I know what that means. He's the voice of the Arby's guy. Yeah, I know he's the voice of the Arby's guy. Named after NBC journalist Irving R. Levine. Irving R. Levine? It's a bit of a deep dive, but that's really interesting. Am I the only one who knows who Irving R. Levine is? No, I know who he is. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I just remember him as a very geeky looking guy on the newscast back in like the eighties. I'm sorry to the family of Irving R. Levine. Now time out. This is the first time we can get an excuse to mention this on this podcast. But Vink Rames was Kojak in the Kojak reboot in the 2000s on USA. And you know what that means, guys. We're covering the Kojak reboot next year. All I gotta say is, who loves you, baby? Did Vink Rames enjoy uh, lollipops? Well, we're going to find out next year. (laughs) Playing Eva, Arthur's business partner, is Amber McDonald. Now, Chico, I don't have a Wikipedia page for Amber McDonald. So, do you have good old IMDB to help us? I do. She was in two episodes of SVU and one episode of Smallville, and that was it. Oh, darn. Well, there's more, but it's very minor stuff. But guys, can you believe this? This is our second DC pilot. And guess what? For the second time, we get to talk about Adrian Pilecki because she's playing an evil siren named Nadia. I buy that. She single-handedly killed the Orville. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Damn it. Too soon. Oh. Why'd you have to go there? Chico, next we have Arthur's mother, who we see briefly in the beginning. Played by Daniela Walters, best known for the lead role of Julie Connor on, I want to say, five seasons of Hang Time. Oh, that's great. And you know what that means. She's married to Jay Hernandez. (laughs) She married her co-star. No, that's not it. Oh, what's that? We get an excuse to mention Reggie Theus again <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> and the one and... week of Just Men. <laughs> and Dick Butkus. Can we not forget Dick Butkus? That's true. And Steve Sachs. And Dusty Baker. And I think we should add R.I.P. to Dick Butkus since he passed away about two months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, folks, how about we talk about this pod? But considering that I paid the $3 to watch this pilot, let's have past Greg review this pilot while he's watching it. And then we'll come back here after I'm done with that. And then we'll come back and see why this didn't get on the air or go to series. So here's past Greg, and we'll come back in about 45 minutes. The ocean. It's a place full of secrets. Some are beautiful. Some are dangerous. Its mysteries have baffled mankind for centuries. None more so than the Bermuda Triangle. But in order to understand the triangle, you must understand my son. He was born in the darkest reaches of the sea. I had hoped to teach him the ways of the world, how to lead a good life and become a good man. But then I was taken from him. Aquaman opening titles. So we get the sequence on the Chiron saying Bermuda Triangle 10 years ago. So this is roughly taking place, this opening sequence around 1996. So we see Arthur Curry, or as he's known back then as Orin. He's looking out at the plane window, seeing a bunch of dolphins. 
we meet our uh, main characters here in the pilot. We see Tom Curry radioing to the plane, who's, of course, played by Lou Diamond Phillips, and we see Arthur's mother. He held his breath underwater for five minutes, Arthur. He manages to tell Tom Curry down below. He says it was the coolest thing ever. Kid, I don't know what to tell you. If you think holding your breath underwater for five minutes is the coolest thing ever, man, that is pretty... Well, I mean, you are going to be the king of the sea, so maybe that is the coolest thing in your life, at least right now. Oh no, the plane is going, like, in weird directions. What's going on here? Oh! A big portal water thing came out of the sky! Oh, boom! Oh my god! Everything is going, like, horrible! And Tom's like, is there, like, a storm? And the guy... Next to him's like, nope, blue sky for 500 miles, so it guess this is the Bermuda Triangle and all the effects there, and oh, the plane, it, it's hit by water, and it goes, like, down, and Arthur's mother is, like, drowning. Arthur's stuck. He has to go to the surface, his mother says, but she'll give him this, like, pendant thing, and she promises... I'll come back to find you. I promise. No. That's probably not going to happen. She's probably not going to find him. So Arthur's mother, she frees Arthur from the plane. Like, go. And then bang on the plane. Arthur's mother kicks the emergency exit door off the plane while it's underwater. And Arthur is leaving. And then up, she's attacked by sea monster I guess and the plane goes haywire and yep that's it that's how he gets separated from his mother I guess so yeah Arthur he's just like floating in the water when he's guided by oh there's some whales some whales are going to help Arthur get back to the surface I presume this whale might be a descendant of George and Gracie, maybe, from Star Trek Four. I don't know. Oh, there's a bunch of whales. There's a whole bunch of whales. There's, like, dozens of whales helping Arthur get back to the ocean as he's calling for his mother. But, dude, I know you lost your mother. I mean, Arthur, that's very bad. But you know what? You have, like, a dozen whales as, like, your friends to help you get back to the surface, and they're blowing water out of their blowholes. Come on, that's gotta keep you amused. I mean, after all, you were underwater for like five minutes. And you thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Well, now you have a dozen whales and they're like blowing water out of their blowholes. That's gotta be like the new coolest thing ever to you, right? I mean, yeah, I guess you lost your mother. And that kind of sucks, but hey, dozen whales blowing water out of their blowholes. So now we're in present day Tempest Key, Florida in 2006. And now we see adult Arthur, played by the dreamy Justin Hartley, swimming with some fish, swimming with some sharks. Oh, 
there's a stingray. I mean, he is one with the ocean, so... Good thing that these sharks are not going to give Arthur, like, any trouble whatsoever. And he's got that pendant thing that his mom gave him. So that's pretty good. So Arthur lands on his boat, the Quint, when all of a sudden he's dragged out by the sheriff. And Arthur's like, what did I do this time? And the sheriff's like, well, it depends. Where were you at 10 o'clock last night? You didn't break into Neptune World and free five dolphins? Arthur's like, well, you got the wrong man. Oh, yeah? Well, if you didn't break into... What the heck is the... (laughs) the heck's the water park? Let me just rewind back here real quick. Oh, Neptune World. Similar to, I guess, but not legally. Yeah, similar to, but legally distinct from SeaWorld. I don't know if the whole SeaWorld, like, whale stuff, freeing the whale stuff was like a thing back in the mid-2000s. Maybe it was. I don't know. But yeah, the sheriff shows... Or for the pictures of him at Neptune World. It's like, oh yeah, any 10-year-old with a PC could have photoshopped those pictures. Well, that is true, Arthur. I bet you when they were getting those new Windows Vista laptops, the kids, they were making all sorts of photoshops. And the sheriff's like, look, AC, you're under arrest for breaking entering. And Arthur's like, I was just doing those dolphins like a favor. And rescuing them. Jeff's like, yeah, well, I guess the world's full of misunderstood heroes. So, Tom Curry has to bail his adopted son, Arthur, out of prison. And it's the third time this year it's happened. Oh, man. And Tom tells, look, no matter how many times you screw up, and you're definitely going for the record here, I will always be your father. Well, anyways, I gotta go to work. By the way, Arthur, it's been ten years since your mom was disappearing over the Bermuda Triangle. And Arthur's like, yeah, when we were flying over the Bermuda Triangle, she was calling me Orin. What was that about? She said she had so much to tell me. And Tom's like, didn't she also say do good with your life? I don't see you fixated on that. You should be at Stanford right now instead of being incarcerated. And Arthur's like, I'm not leaving Tempest Key until I find out what happened to my mom. And Tom's like, look, I miss your mother too, but you're not a kid anymore, so you have so much potential, I don't want to see it going to waste. And Arthur's like, I'm very sorry. So I was like, if you're really sorry, you gotta pull your life together. Oh, well. Meanwhile, Arthur's business partner, Ava, is putting up a for sale sign. Inquire at the bank. And Ava says, rough night to Arthur. And Arthur's like, eh, the night was fine, but this day sure does suck. And Arthur's like, look, Ava, why are you putting a for sale sign over on my boat? And Ava's like, look, the boat is mine. And Arthur's like, look, I know you're still mad at me, but Ava says, there's something ironic about watching five cardiologists have a heart attack when you tell them they're diving structures in jail. And Arthur's like, well, it was a holding cell, and the plan was not to get arrested. Eva says, that's what you said when you slammed aboard that cruise ship and ran up the bar tab. Arthur's like, look, it was a wedding. I got caught up in the moment. I bought everyone around. And for the record, the bridesmaids did say that my toast was incredibly romantic. Oh, that's so sweet. And Eva says, 
Well, maybe one of them should have wired you the money to cover the bill. And I was like, wait, you're not going to sell my boat. And he was like, look, you're my business partner. Why are you picking last night to go, like, Greenpeace on me and stuff? I was like, look, here's the reason why I freed those dolphins. Okay, do you want to know the real reason? It's because I felt like they were calling to me. And he was like, ugh, Arthur, not this crap. You're saying that you can talk to fish now? I was like, no, dolphins are mammals. It was kind of more like a empathy. A weird empathy. He was like, look, I got a friend at Dolphin Rescue. We can set up a legal defense fund. I was like, cool. That's cool. Good. So Arthur's at the bar, and then Ving Rhames comes out, and he's like, getting tired of staring at these bottles. You want to pour me a drink? And Arthur's like, well, it's a little early for happy hour, isn't it? And Ving Rhames like, oh, you're Tom Curry's kid. I've seen you on Mercy Reef. And Arthur's like, I didn't know I had a fan club. And Ving Rhames says, you don't. We're in the lighthouse on Atlas Point. The gulls have nothing on my view. And Ving Rhames is like, I remember the day your mother's plane went down. And Arthur's like, what? And Ving Rhames is like, that cloud was Caribbean sky. God couldn't have painted a prettier picture. And then, out of nowhere, came the storm. And Ving Rhames just takes a sip of his drink on the little pint glass. And Arthur's like, excuse me, what did you say about my mother? And who are you? And Ving Rhames is like, my name's McCaffrey. Keep the change. And right as Arthur's going to grab the money, McCaffrey says, Arthur, if you look hard enough into the deep, something is going to start to look back. Watch yourself. And Arthur's like, uh, maybe I should listen to Vinger Ames here? Possibly, maybe? So now we go to Mercy Reef, which is 25 miles off of Tempest Key. And we see, like, a guy on, like, I, I don't know if it's like a, oh, it's a piece of shipwreck. And Tom's with the Coast Guard, and he's going to save this person that's been on the ocean. Tom's looking at the guy who's been shipwrecked, and then he sees something on his neck. And it's the same thing on his neck that Arthur has. And then the guy wakes up, and he's like, they're coming. I must warn Orin. And Tom's like, all right, buddy. I could see what might have happened here. Maybe you you were shipwrecked and you had a couple of drinks. No, no, he probably didn't have a couple of drinks. But uh, okay, well, let's just take you to the hospital. All right, let's, they're, so they're going to take this man with the same sort of necklace thing, the little seahorse thing that's on Arthur's neck. They're going to take this man to the hospital where he's going to be treated well. I guarantee you no shenanigans are going to happen with the shipwrecked man at the hospital. None whatsoever. So now we are at Tempest Key Naval Air Station where we are introduced to the character of Lieutenant Rachel Torres who is told that she is supposed to be flying over Mercy Reef. 
where obviously a John Doe happened. They have no ID of this person as her general is telling Rachel about everything. So he explains to Rachel, like, we have no idea where this man came from. Just look over the reef and just see what you can find over there. So Torres is flying over and Arthur's like swimming and stuff and all the planes going like haywire and whatsoever and Arthur sees it and he's catching up to the plane and then on Torres's radar she like thinks that Arthur going fast is like a missile or something and yeah it's kind of freaky and Torres is like I'm just gonna go now circle around and then she sees the disturbance in the Bermuda Triangle and Arthur's necklace seahorse thing is flashing and up there's like the water portal things from the Bermuda Triangle that happened to young Arthur when he was like 10 years old and Torres has to like escape out of her plane with parachute boom the plane goes boom and so Arthur rescues Torres and takes her to the Tempest Key Hospital. So we're at the Tempest Key Hospital, and Torres recognizes Arthur, and it's like, oh, it's you. And Arthur's like pouring Torres like a drink of water, and Arthur explains, yeah, the doctor said I could wait here until you woke up. He says, I hope the Navy doesn't have a you-break-it-you-bought-it policy. And Arthur asks, do you remember anything? And Torres responds, just a flash of light. And then I was flying through the water. And next thing I knew, you were carrying me. And we were both going like so incredibly fast. And Arthur's like, yeah, when you're drowning, your brain loses some oxygen and you start to see things that aren't real. So I guess you should rest maybe. And Torres says to Arthur, is this your way of saying that I'm crazy? And Arthur's like, look, your plane crashed like 700 miles an hour. So I'm just going to reserve judgment until your painkillers wear off. And Arthur's like, yeah, I better tell some of the nurses that you're awake. Torres like, wait a minute. What's your name? And Arthur's like, it's not that important. But Torres like, you saved my life. It's important to me. It's AC. Insert your own AC Slater Saved by the Bell joke here. So Arthur's like walking out in the hospital. Just casually walking, walking down the hospital when all of a sudden the necklace glows again. And Arthur's looking at the side and he sees like a light coming out of a room. And he sees the man that was shipwrecked in the water. And he sees he's got the glowing seahorse necklace thing. He's looking at the necklace and the guy wakes up and he says, Oren, they know you're here. They know you survived. And Arthur's like, why did you call me that? And where'd you get that necklace? And the shipwrecked man's like, they're coming for you. And Arthur responds, who are you? But then he's like, chastised by 
Agent Brigman and his handover people are going to take the shipwrecked man to somewhere where I don't know. Arthur's like, where are you taking him? Agent Brigman gives him like a bitch please look. And Arthur's like, I asked you a question. Where are you taking him? Agent Brigman just has his flip foam and he just says, we got him. And Arthur's like, huh, I wonder what they're going to be doing with that guy who had the seahorse necklace thing that I have. And then, up, ladies and gentlemen, 18 minutes and 40 seconds into this pilot, and Adrian Pilecki has showed up in this pilot. Oh. And then, in the captioning, it says, intense music. Not to be confused with tense dramatic music in previous live show, Money Plane. When you see the closed captioning say, intense music, you know some serious stuff is about to go down here. So the... Shipwrecked man is, like, in a room with mirrors. And he's touching the mirror. And on the other side is Agent Brigman. He says, did he wake up five minutes ago? Has he displayed, like, violent tendencies or whatever, like the others? And the doctor's like, nope. This is the file you wanted from the Navy archives. The dental records match the John Doe. Ensign Gus Thompson, member of Flight 19 that disappeared December 5th, 1945. Wait, 1945? Huh? So this man, you're telling me that this man right here, this John Doe, who was just discovered by Tom Curry out in the ocean, has been missing for 61 years. My God, that is just insane. It is insane. And guess what? This man disappeared, Ensign Gus Thompson, in the Bermuda Triangle. And Agent Brigman says, Welcome home, Ensign Thompson. Where the hell have you been the last 60 years? Yeah, Agent Brigman. That's what I want to know. Where the hell has this man been for the last 60 years? But then we get something on the closed captioning back at the bar that says, Upbeat music! Yeah! And Arthur is calling the Coast Guard, asking for Tom about the man who was rescued over at Mercy Reef, which he doesn't know was a man that's been missing for 60 years. And meanwhile, he's looking at a bunch of, like, fishermen who are, like, bragging about, oh, look at the size of this marlin. And that makes Arthur so mad. It's like, oh, God, they're displaying this marlin. Those sons of bitches. I want to beat somebody up. And Eva's like, no, I'm going to report their boat tomorrow to the Fish and Wildlife. And he's like, fines are not going to stop these guys. They have a marlin. They probably have Billy the marlin, the mascot of the Florida marlin's like brother or something. And Arthur's like, I'm going to kick some ass over this Morlin. And Eva's like, look, AC, kicking the crap out of a bunch of fishermen is only going to lead you back to jail. Okay? And Arthur's like, Ugh. 
goddamn fishermen with their marlin. And Adrian Pilecki's like, it's amazing how cruel people can be. And Arthur Acey's like, yeah, it just bothers me more and more that Marlin should be hanging above some moron fisherman's fireplace. And it's like a trophy. Ugh. And Adrian Pilecki's like, maybe someday the fish will get their revenge. And Arthur's like, I don't know. I think rednecks make pretty ugly trophies. Adrian Plucky's like, I'm Nadia. I heard you're pretty amazing under the water. And Arthur's like, well, if you'd like me to take you diving, I'm free tomorrow. And Nadia's like, I was hoping we could do something now. Like, right now. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I see what's going on. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And so Arthur and Nadia, they're like swimming and stuff. And Nadia's like, we met a long time ago. And Arthur's like, you sure about that? I think I definitely would have remembered you. And Nadia's like, let me refresh your memory. And she goes under the water. And like, Arthur's like, Nadia? Where are you? You're, like, leaving me hanging out here. Nadia! And then, oh! Oh my god! She's the underwater sea monster that attacked her as mother from the beginning in 1996! And then McCaffrey's back. He's got, like, I don't know, one of those, like, I don't know, a bow and arrow thing. The the kind of thing that Van Helsing uses to scare Nadia the sea monster witch thing away. And McCaffrey's like, I hate these damn things. And Arthur's like, what the hell was she? McCaffrey's like, get your clothes on. We need to talk. So McCaffrey explains to Arthur that once a siren has you in her gaze which is what Nadia is. There's nothing a man can do. And Arthur's like, Oh, Siren, of course. You act like you see them all the time. McCaffrey's like, I've seen my fair share. Unfortunately, my aim is like a little rusty. And the only way to kill these scaly bitches is to nail them between the eyes. And let me point out, that is not my words, those scaly bitches. That is the exact words that Ving Rhames says about those damn sirens. So don't blame me, blame Vingrames. Arthur then asks McCaffrey, who are you? And McCaffrey says, I'm in exile, just like you and your mother. Exiled from where? It's called different names by different cultures. You probably know it by its most famous. Atlantis. Atlantis? Arthur's like, ha 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 ha! Next time you're in Atlantis, could you say hi to Captain Nemo and the Little Mermaid for me? And Ving Rhames is like, look, you think I wanted this crap, okay? And Arthur's like, yeah, you need to lay off like the sauce or whatever, because it's clearly gotten into your head. And McCaffrey's like, you can't run away from your true calling, Orin. And Arthur turns around and says. Bleep! Did you just call me? 
No, he didn't really say it like that, but you get the idea. So we're at the lighthouse. Norfolk's like, so let me get this straight. My parents were the rulers of Atlantis. So I guess technically that would make me a prince. And Arthur says to McCaffrey, you know, the fact that you can just say that sort of stuff with a straight face is kind of impressive. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does Atlantis have a retractable roof or does everyone swim around like a bunch of fish? No, I kind of think it just has like a regular ass dome. And I guess everyone might swim around. It's not like the Sky Dome or Roger Center as it's called now. And you can just retract the dome anytime you want, Arthur. And all like mermen and mermaids and sea creatures go swimming around whenever they want. No. No, it doesn't work that way, Arthur. Come on. McCaffrey's like, don't mock me. You think I don't know how absurd this crap sounds, but was it a joke when you saw that siren, huh? Huh? Arthur's like, okay, so if Atlantis exists, how come nobody has been able to detect Atlantis? And McCaffrey's like, because it's cloaked in a shroud no modern technology can even penetrate the Bermuda Triangle. Nerf is like, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. McCaffrey then says, your father was a man of peace. There were others who wanted to rage war against the surface world, and your father resisted. Nerf is like, so they killed him? Maybe? And now they want me dead also? Gaffrey says, I managed to get you and your mother out. I need the only place you would be safe was up here. We were found on Mercy Reef by a young Coast Guard lieutenant. And Arthur's like, yeah, that was my pops. Oh, so he probably knows too. And McCaffrey's like, nope. Your mother insisted that we say absolutely nothing. She thought she could hide you from your destiny. Arthur's like, yeah, well, what's my true destiny? McCaffrey says, to defend this world you've embraced on your own and protect the ocean from which you were born. So Arthur's like, okay, so you want me to fight sirens and you want me to fight big oil. No, I'm not going to take this job. Ving Rhames, you can find another person and just get out. I just don't want to bother. McCaffrey says, you can't avoid your responsibility, Orin. It's in your bones, and you know it. Arthur's like, give me a break. I'm just a simple dive shop owner. I'm not like the protector of the ocean and whatever. McCaffrey says, destiny is like a riptide. Oh, wait. So, is Tom Bray going to be involved in this? I would love it. Is No... No. Darn. So Arthur and Eva are reading a book on sirens, and Eva says, so this girl, Nadia, is actually like this killer mermaid who wants to take you out? Because you're some sort of underwater royalty? And Arthur's like, yeah. 
And Eva's like, well, they always look so friendly on the Starbucks cups. And Orpheus says, well, I didn't believe it either until the siren tried to kill me. She's coming back for me. And Eva's like, look, I suggest like a road trip to the desert with a truckload of Evian and just forget about it. And Orpheus like, Eva, I think this is the creature that attacked my mother. I have to face her. And Eva's like, are you sure you want to go with this? And Arthur goes, yeah, just close up shop, head out of town. I don't want you anywhere near this. What about you? And Arthur just looks at the ocean and says, I'm taking the Quinta Atlas point. McCaffrey's got weapons there. And Eva says, look, there's a storm coming later tonight anyway, so... Maybe I'll just go visit my sister over in Tampa. Arthur's like, I'm sorry about all this crap. He was like, well, being friends with you has always required a leap of fate. But maybe someday you'll make it up to me and give me a cool title like, uh, I don't know, like Duchess of the Deep. Or something equally as stupid. The equally as stupid part was my words, not hers. So we're at an infirmary and the shipwrecked person that's been missing for like 60 years wakes up and you got tense music or whatever he's taking a glass to drink it up oh, siren I don't know how you escaped from Midlands but thank you for leading me to Orin ah Adrian Pilecki has just killed the missing man for 60 years oh man well Remember that agent man person? Well, now he's with Lieutenant Torres. It's good to see you back on your feet. Torres says, thank you, but I'm confused. I already went over the accident report. And Agent Brigman is like, I understand, but I'm the one who ordered you the mission. I wanted to debrief you myself. And who exactly do you work for? Top dog, lieutenant, commander-in-chief. I was curious about that flash of light that you saw right before you lost control. And Torres says, well, I was a bit disoriented. It could have been like a sun flare or something. And he's just like, I don't think you've lost your mind. You were flying over the Bermuda Triangle after all. Torres like, look, sir, that's just the myth. He's like, I used to share that sentiment. Torres says, what changed your mind? Why don't I show you? Oh. What we're going to see here. And then the agent shows a picture of a man and says, Last year, this man boarded an oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico and attempted to blow it sky high. He was killed before he succeeded. His name was Evan Corday. He disappeared along with his yacht off the coast of Bermuda on July 6, 1905. Oh, there's this picture of him! Like, in 1905! I didn't know photography was, like, so good back then in 1905. And Torres like, it's impossible. He must have been descended, or somebody looked exactly like him. But Brigman's like, I agree with you. Except, the fingerprints, they matched perfectly. And he's not the first one that's come back from the Bermuda Triangle. Torres like, why? Well, that's what Project Novus is here to find out. And I want you to join us, Lieutenant Torres, and help us unlock the mysteries 
of the Bermuda Triangle. So it's like, look, I'm just a pilot. I don't know what I could bring to this. And the agent's like, you have more experience than any of us. You witnessed something extraordinary out there, and you lived to tell the tale. I don't believe you could be taken out of the blue by some stupid sun flare or a freak mechanical failure. So I was like, I joined up to fly jets and serve my country, not chase these stupid windmills. And Brigman's like, this is a fool's crusade. It's a matter of national security. If you don't believe this, let me show you. Oh my god. There's boxes and boxes full of files of people who have vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. For all I know, this could be like the room at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the Ark of the Covenant is being held. It has a similar vibe to that. Agent Brigman says, They are MIAs in an invisible war. And Tempest Key is the front line of this invisible war. And then his foot phone rings and he says, Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, I'll be right there. And then he says to Torres, If you want to see how real this crap is, come and join me and see what's going on here. And then they're walking out to the facility where the shipwrecked man was being kept. And oh man, they see he got stabbed to death by Adrian Pilecki. Ugh, not good. Oh, there's the necklace. Why didn't Adrian Pilecki get the necklace? I don't get it. That should have been the first thing she took with him after she killed the guy. But okay, we're back at the bar. Arthur and Eva, they're closing the bar in, trying to protect it from this storm, trying to make sure it doesn't get underwater or whatever. So the thunder, it's rumbling. Eva says, once you've taken care of business with this siren person, we should talk to the bank about a loan to upgrade to your boat. And then the power's out. Oh, no. This storm has probably blown out all the power. But Arthur thinks, wait, it's probably the circuit breaker. The lights are still on over at Captain Jack's. And, oh, they're going to check out the power here. So Arthur's going to try to fix the power right here. And oh, oh, dramatic music. Oh, no. Nadia, the siren bitch, has just stabbed Eva. Oh, God. Oh, good night forever, Orin. Ah, slap. That's all Adrian Plucky does to... Justin Hartley does a simple little slap and she just grabs the necklace. Oh, so that explains why she didn't go after the shipwrecked man's necklace. She wanted just Arthur's necklace specifically, I guess. Because, I don't know, maybe it has, like, more power since, I mean, he is the future ruler of Atlantis, Arthur. So now we're on the sea on the Quint and, oh no, Adrian Pilecki has tied up Vingrames and Arthur. So now we're on the Quentin. Nadia has tied up both Arthur and McCaffrey. And Arthur's like, ugh! He sees a picture of him and Eva and he's like, Eva! McCaffrey says, I'm sorry about your friend, 
but I'm more concerned about your life right now. And Arthur sees McEver is like, wait, she got you too? Oh, dramatic music. And uh, going over a tidal wave. And like, Nadia the siren is just carrying them like by her own self because she's a damn siren on this damn boat. And Arthur's like, where's she taking us? McEver says, home to Atlantis to be executed. Arthur's like, why hasn't she gutted us already? You're a symbol of hope, Orin. If they kill you, that hope dies, too. And Arthur's like, well, then I need some water. McCaffrey's like, my flask, it's in my boot. And so Arthur's is crawling to McCaffrey. He's trying to get that flask. Like, grabs the flask. McCaffrey's like, smash it! And he smashes the flask. It's like, and then the oh the necklace it glows and then the beam comes like right out of the sky and now Arthur's free he frees McCaffrey it's like what do we do to take her down we aren't doing anything you're gonna get off this boat no that thing took my mom and she attacked my friend I'm not going anywhere until she's dead McCaffrey's like I promised your father on his dying breath to help you. I'm not breaking my word now. And so, do you have any weapons? And McCaffrey goes, Nadia! And so Nadia gets back onto the boat, does like a landing, oh, superhero landing, like in Deadpool. And so Nadia opens the door, McCaffrey uses the harpoon thing, and she says, your aim's gotten better. And, oh, she just stabs McCaffrey right in the leg. And she's like, where is Orin? And Ving Rames, as only Ving Rames can do, says, Rotten hell, you scaly bitch. Oh, that's fantastic. And then he stabs him in the upper leg. It's like, now where is Orin? And then Arthur does a superhero landing of his own. And it's like, I'm right here. And up, fight. Punch, punch. Some stuff on the boat breaks. Screech. Ugh, ugly ass teeth. Kick. Your mother can't protect you this time. What'd you do to her? <laughs> You'll find out. And then McCaffrey grabs... The little thing. And McCaffrey goes, Orin! Throws it to him and stabs her right in the forehead. And it's like, not today. Boom! Necklace goes flying back in. Arthur grabs the necklace. Looks at it. Oh, man. He just stares at the necklace. McCaffrey says, Well done, Orin. Your father would have been proud. And they both look right out into the sea as some instrumental music plays. So Eva's being treated at the hospital and Arthur says, while she's unconscious and looking at her room, I'm sorry, Eva. Meanwhile, back at the 
file full of stuff at the Bermuda Triangle, Brigman looks at a box that says, Farewell 1936 Club Havana, and it's Lieutenant Torres? And we hear a voiceover from the agent flashing back to when he said, How much do you remember, Lieutenant Torres? So I guess is the implication that she's like from the 1930s and she was previously pulled out from the Bermuda Triangle and doesn't remember I I guess or maybe it's a I I I don't know so yeah Arthur is back at the lighthouse and well everything's saved I guess but McCaffrey says to him that siren was just the beginning there are creatures in this deep that you couldn't imagine your worst nightmares and Arthur says well I guess that's reassuring, so... Whatever. Gary says, I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to prepare you for the worst. We should have started your training years ago. Well, let's start now. Let's do it. I'm ready. McCaffrey's like, Look, I got you a birthday gift. Look, it's like a book with, like, map wrapping paper on it. Arthur's like, yeah, I kind of figured it's a book. It's not really much of a reader. McCaffrey's like, look, just open the stupid book. Unwrap it, just look at it. Oh, Henry IV, parts one and two. I know Shakespeare was into sequels. McCaffrey says, I expect for you to have read that by next week. I gave up book reports in sixth grade. That's part of your training. Well, when... I thought you meant training. I thought you meant, like, wielding the tridents and doing all sorts of cool... Look, Arthur, just forget it. Like, that'll come, like, later. Like, much later. But there's plenty of sex and violence in that book. You'll probably have a good time, Arthur, reading that book. And Arthur's like, well, couldn't you just give me, like, the Cliff Notes version and just tell me how this story ends? Because I don't want to read it. McCaffrey's like, the lesson isn't in the ending, Orin. It's in the journey. And Arthur looks at the book, and then we get a shot of him looking out to the ocean by the lighthouse. And that's your pilot, everybody. All right. So let's get back to future Greg, along with Mike and Chico, as they take you through the rest of this pilot and why this never got picked up. Back to you guys. Okay, we're back, folks. Thank you, past Greg. Hey, Greg. Yeah. How'd you get a hold of the TARDIS that Chico had a few weeks ago? Well, I lent it to him. Well, how did you get it? Because you didn't just, like, buy one. I thought you borrowed it from Ed Begley. You don't need to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Time out. If you watched the last Doctor Who special, which just came out today on Disney Plus as we're talking about that, there's your answer right there. Okay, true story. I was at a function in Winston-Salem. Somebody was bringing up the toy maker. I literally said, hey, I haven't seen it yet. Spoilers! I didn't know Neil Patrick Harris looked like Batman's butler. Do you think Neil Patrick Harris 
had like Batman cereal waiting for the doctor. Is that why you use Batman cereal in a conversation with me before the show? No. Oh, oh no. Oh my gosh, no. So this is the second time unprovoked you brought up Batman cereal to me today. Oh okay, my God. let me tell you the first instance. I'm sorry we're not talking about why the Aquaman pilot didn't sell, but listen, we'll get to that later. We have more important stuff we need to talk about right now. I need to talk about the first instance today where I mentioned to Mike about Batman cereal. Because when I was driving home today, I was listening to the Omnibus podcast about legal baby names. And you know what I said to Mike? I said, Mike, if I had to legally change my name, you know what I'd change it to? Batman cereal. Now, the one thing that listeners don't know... That's sort of a running joke the last five years. It goes back to the uh, quiz apps uh, that we used to play, HQ and and stuff like that. And one day we were watching uh, Supermarket Sweep, I believe, and they had in the opening, you know, they say, well, who's got the surf laundry detergent? Okay, you're on. Who's got the Heinz ketchup? You're on. Well, one time they're like, Who's got the Batman cereal? You're on. And we just all lost it. And uh, th- there was a while that, if not uh, Greg and me, include Chico in this possibly, we like use Batman cereal as our icon for some of the games. No, no, no. When we played Hype Sports. I thought it was more than just Hype Sports, but it was definitely Hype Sports, yes. Hype Sports. We have our avatars on the winner section be Batman cereal. Good times. Good prosperous times. Hey, what do you think Mike and Brenner are doing these days from Hype Sports? Mike Janela is counting his little bit of Jeopardy winnings he had. No, oh, not Mike Janela did reward the fans, silly. Oh, well, f*** him. Um, don't you dare talk about Mike Janela like that. Don't Mike Janela is a real man of Jeopardy, good sir. He's an orange screen host at City Field, damn it. You do not talk that way about Mike Janela. You put Janella. some respect on that name. I will not stand for that, Mike. So what are they doing nowadays? Probably like a 9 to 5 or something like that. Hey, Nathan Zagura now, who used to do Reward the Fan, the sports games, He's actually like a sideline reporter for the Browns and actually does one of the Sunday morning shows, uh, one of the pregame shows, the local pregame shows for the Browns games. Oh. He still sucks, though. Yeah, well. I wonder what Ali Hernandez is up to right now. I think, doesn't she work for the Long Island Nets? I think she's still doing the Long Island Nets. But anyways, I don't want to talk more about failed quiz apps, and Batman cereal. Chico, how about we get to why this pilot didn't get sold? Because you'd think, okay, Smallville, it's a big hit. Surely this show's going to be a big hit. But there was a problem. When we talked about previous episode Pepper Dennis, the same problem happened with this. What was happening in 2006? In 2006... The WB was getting ready to merge with UPN to form the CW. And discussing the excitement surrounding the project, Lou Diamond Phillips 
He said, the funny thing about the Aquaman project is that there's so much buzz about it already, which is amazing. I mean, you don't usually get that with a pilot because they're sort of sight unseen. According to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, this was a front runner to get picked up for the CW. However, when they announced their lineup for their first season as the CW in 2006, it was not on the fall schedule. However, it was a possibility that it could be around in mid-season. And the producers want the pilot released so people could see it. So it was released on the iTunes store in July of 2006. And within a week, it was one of the most downloaded shows on the iTunes store. In fact, it reached number one. And then it was released on Xbox Live Video Marketplace in March of 2007. Oh, man, I'm really dating myself here. Xbox Live Video Marketplace. And it aired on YTV on June 9th, 2007 on their Superhero Saturday block. And Warner Home Video, in association with Best Buy, released the pilot as a promotional DVD on November 11th of 2007, bundling it in Smallville season sets. And you could even find it as a bonus feature on the DC Universe animated Blu-ray of Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. But unfortunately... When mid-season 2007 came around, Aquaman was not on the schedule. I wonder if this was released to iTunes and the Xbox Video Marketplace, like you mentioned, to not just let people see what the pilot was about, but also to recoup some of the money that was spent on the pilot, because IMDb says the budget on this pilot was $7 million. What? I'm not joking. It says here, estimated budget, $7 million. For a pilot. I'm just saying what IMDB is saying. Yes, not $700,000, not a million, $7 million. Now, since you've seen it, does the CGI, the, the graphics, the any sort of visuals actually say... Seven million dollar pilot, or do you think possibly some money went to the uh, people in front of the camera? I don't think Ving Rames is necessarily terribly expensive, but who knows? Maybe he's not seven million dollars expensive, though. No, I watched this, and truth be told, I mean, I looked at the special effects, and I would say it looked like your average Smallville episode of the time. That wouldn't be anywhere near $7 million, I would assume. No. So here are the shows that were picked up for the CW. Sunday was Seventh Heaven in the middle of a repeat sandwich. Monday, you had Everybody Hates Chris, All of Us, Girlfriends, and The Game. Tuesday, you had Gilmore Girls, Veronica Mars, and... Pussycat Dolls presents the search for the next doll. What? Back when the Pussycat Dolls were a thing. I do remember when the Pussycat Dolls were big, but 
And back that... when we didn't know what we know now about Robin Anton. Yeah. Okay, Wednesday night. Wednesday was America's Next Top Model, Beauty and the Geek, One Tree Hill, and something called Hidden Palms. What is that? It is a teen drama created by Kevin Williamson, which ran eight episodes. Yeah, well, it was the mid-2000s. The Kevin Williamson magic was long gone by then. But hey, gave us early Leslie Jordan. Oh, that's great. Okay, Thursday night. Thursday was Smallville and Supernatural. Now, Friday is SmackDown. And did they have anything for Saturday night? No. Okay, well, this wasn't when they were airing ACC football randomly on Saturdays. So my guess is there was a choice between Hidden Palms and Aquaman or Hidden Palms and Runaway and Aquaman because Runaway was another mid-season show that got picked up. Or maybe it was between Pussycat Dolls and Aquaman and somebody at the CW was like, okay, we got Pussycat Dolls and we got Aquaman. You need Pussycat Dolls? Rockman. If they knew then what we know now about Robin Anton. But if they knew then what we know now about Justin Hortley, that would make the choice a lot easier. And we may have gotten five or maybe three decent seasons of This Is Us and two What in God's Name Are You Doing seasons of This Is Us. That's the pilot, I guess. It is still available on iTunes, if I'm not mistaken. Greg bought it! Oh my gosh! I bought it! Oh my gosh! This is the goldfish memory pack. I bought it. You bought it on Google Play! I bought no, it on... he bought it on iTunes. No, oh, I okay. bought it on Google Play for three dollars. You forgot to. I mentioned it in the beginning of the show. I no, mentioned... I thought I thought you said iTunes. No, I bought it on Google Play for three bucks. I specifically mentioned this. Okay, so Greg's apparently the only person on this show that has something besides the memory of a goldfish. I swear you said iTunes. It was released on iTunes and Xbox and Google Play and. So far as we know, they're all still there. So, I guess if you want to recoup Warner Brothers' money on this, just pay $3 for it on iTunes or Google Play. Maybe Xbox Video Marketplace is still around. It probably isn't on PlayStation Store anymore because they're getting rid of all the Warner Brothers Discovery content. I'm sorry, folks. You can't watch Sex Sent Me to the ER if you bought it on the PlayStation. I'm sorry. Oh damn it, my night's ruined. Well, there goes my weekend. Now you can't watch Sex Set Me to the ER on your PS4 anymore. Well, it's still on Discovery Plus, so you can watch it there, I guess. And it reruns often enough on Discovery Life. What else can we say about the 2006 Aquaman pilot? Well, before we got Momoa, we got Justin Hartley. But this was, in 2006, a thing on your iPod. But also, it was a thing on TV. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. But don't forget, you can always go to itwasathingontv.com. We can listen to the 435 episodes that preceded this one. 
And we got all sorts of great bonuses there, including mini-sodes, live shows, extended versions of previous episodes, everything. And remember, we are on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon over It Was a Thing on TV. Except for Facebook, we are It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And remember, if you want to follow us on Mastodon, search for us at It Was a Thing on TV at tvwatch.party. And remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed, either at Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. And don't forget, we are on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube to be informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what is coming up on this podcast. Next week, well, we continue our look at Aquaman and hype it up with another show similar to, but this time legally distinct from Aquaman. And... Guys, we get an excuse to talk about Patrick Duffy next week. So you know what that means, guys. We're going to talk about Bingo America? We're going to talk about Bobby in the shower? No, we're going to talk about step-by-step, silly. (laughs) That's always the correct answer. In your mind. I didn't know Bingo America was that important to you, Mike. It's not important to me, but it's something that's on uh, Patrick Duffy's CV. I'm not going to disparage a fellow Buddhist. But we have on our second episode, the viewer's choice episode. Well, you picked it and we won't announce it, but you'll find out who won. Okay, we all know it's Briscoe County Jr. Just tell us. No, what no, is... no. It's that puppet game show. No, it's going to be Briscoe County Jr. I don't have any faith in that puppet game show. No, well, we haven't tabulated the votes yet. Let's just disclaim it right here. But, but we know it's going to be Briscoe County <laughs> Jr. No, it, it's going to be Al Gore. The, the winner is going to be Al Gore. Damn those hanging chads. Voting's hard. Listen, Sarah still has a chance if Mike Pence has the courage. (laughs) You'll find out more about who won that and about Patrick Duffy next time, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with those episodes next week. Wow! During the Christmas season, Santa sends an elf to every child's home to see if they're being naughty or nice. All day they watch their child, never blinking and never moving, and each night they return to the North Pole to report back to Santa. Ho, ho, ho! Welcome back, elves on shelves. I hope you've all been keeping a good eye on your children. Yes, Santa! <laughs> Wonderful! Dottie, how has little Elizabeth been this year? She's been a very good girl, Santa. She's listening to her parents and doing her chores. Splendid! And how is little Matthew, Deedlepeep? Well, he didn't want to eat his vegetables at dinner. Oh, no! But then he did, and he liked them! Hooray! <laughs> And what about young Marshall, Scrabby? I want a new kid, Santa. (laughs) But why? 
You've been watching Marshall for 13 years. Things have changed this year. Oh, he figured out he could do a certain thing with his body. Now he won't stop doing it. I hope it's not fighting with his little brother. That would be very naughty indeed. No, this is, this is definitely a solo activity. <laughs> Considering I can't close my eyes, I have no choice but to watch him and, you know, he does do it a lot. Hmm. Well, is what he's doing naughty or is it nice? It's not really easy, Santa. <laughs> That's silly, Strabby. All elves know that everything humans do is either naughty or it's nice. This isn't so black and white, D.O.D. <laughs> it's just the thing that humans learn how to do, and then they go insane for a while, and they do it nonstop. Please, Santa, can I have another kid? Uh, but Marshall loves you, Scrabby. I know. But sometimes he looks at me when he's doing it, and I think he's trying to make me a part of it. Well, lucky you, Scrabby. Now, what does each of your children want for Christmas this year? A train set. A new soccer ball. I want to say. <laughs> oh, Scrabby, certainly Marshall wants something from Santa. Let's see what's on my list. Oh, Scrabby, you spelled flashlight wrong. I wish that were the case. Well, is there anything else he wants? Can I get some soft socks? Ho, 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 ho! Well, then, he shall have the softest socks in the land. Well, I'm gonna stay that way, Santa. Scrabby, it sounds like you don't like Marshall anymore. No, no, I do. Just 13 is a confusing age. Whatever do you mean? I don't, I don't know. He, he, he like, looks at his body, and he has, like, his, his little boobies. And he, and he squeezes real hard, you know, like, because he hates them and he's mad at them. He's like, ugh, go away! Oh, my, that's odd. Yeah. Can I, listen, can I please have another kid? Oh, I think I know what's happening. You're upset he's growing up. Oh, he grew up, Santa. That's done. Don't be sad, Scrabby. Every kid stops believing in us someday, but then they have kids of their own? And the magic starts again. I don't know if Marshall will have anything left in the bank by then. Well, I can't wait to visit all your children and bring them Christmas cheer. Yeah, well, just make a lot of noise when you get to Marshall's room. He'll stop for a few seconds if you hear something. Oh, Scrabby, you are a silly elf. Now back to your children. <laughs> Now, I want to share with you one of my favorite comments was right here. The fact they found an elf costume that fit Jason's six foot four body is crazy. LOL. No, it's not. I found elf costumes in my size, and well, I'm about an inch shorter, but also probably what, 30, 40 pounds bigger than him? And my oh. 30, 40 pounds bigger than him is not muscle, it's tacos. Dang.